0: The Transmission, Episode 2, September 30th, 2005.
1: Aloha from the island. You've tuned into the transmission. This is a fan podcast dedicated to the hit TV series Lost. My name is Jen
0: and I'm Ryan
1: and we're sending this lost cast direct to you from Honolulu, Hawaii. Mahalo. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, here's the plan. Every edition of the transmission includes a quick recap of the episode we just saw. We'll then talk about what we saw, what we thought. Anything else that we can think of? If we've gotten any comments through our listener line or questions, we'll cover that in a feedback segment. Then we'll peek behind the curtain of the forward cabin where we'll touch briefly on upcoming episodes, rumors, spoilers, anything else that we might have heard.
0: Of course, we'll warn you before we get to any spoilers. Now, we certainly are not radio pros, and we do not have our degrees in lostology just yet. So we're going to depend on you to keep this show moving forward. If you got a thought, a theory, if you caught something that we missed, if you know a guy who knows a girl who saw Josh Holloway at a supermarket, feel free to tell us about it. You can call the lost line at 808-356-0127. Or you can send an email or audio file to us at lost at hawaiiup.com.
1: With that out of the way, let's get lost. This is show number two of The Transmission. We're going to talk today about the episode of Lost that aired on Wednesday, September 28th. It was the second episode of the second season, and it was titled Adrift.
0: And what happened in this episode?
1: Well, we saw two different things. Um, We saw the raft, what's going on in the raft after it blows up, and we also see what's going on in the hatch. I
0: thought it was interesting that this episode actually reverses. In fact, I would say this episode happens parallel to... The first episode of the second season, the season premiere. So actually, we can imagine these things happen happening concurrently. And in fact, I could have seen this actually been one two-hour season premiere. But anyway, yeah. So we go, we take the step back. We see the everything going on the raft just after it exploded, and uh, the folks took off with Walt. And we see what's going on at the hatch. And we, but in this from this perspective, we see Locke go in.
1: He drops into the hatch. He takes off his shoes. Um, He sees the logo that that we noticed on Desmond's um, work uniform.
0: Yeah, the Dharma um, octagon.
1: Right. Um, He hears Kate. She's on the ground whimpering. Obviously, she's fallen all the way down and and hit the floor. Um, Desmond appears, and he, he seems to have mistaken Locke for somebody else. Right.
0: He asks, are you him?
1: And that scene goes on forever. You know, it's just, Desmond, are you him? Are you him? And you're not really sure what Locke is thinking because he does answer. Eventually, I am him. And then Desmond asks him a riddle. What does one snowman say to the other snowman? And Locke has no idea what he's talking about he is not able to supply an answer so of
0: course Desmond knows that uh, whoever it was he was expecting that he thought Locke might be Locke's definitely not that person and he was also suspicious of course of the fact that there was a Kate at all so um, he decides that uh, he's going to go ahead and tie these folks up but before he gets a rope around Locke what does Locke do
1: Oh, yeah, he, he convinces Desmond that he needs to tie Kate up because Kate's a criminal.
0: Right, and I'm sure Kate's like, well, thanks a lot there, Locke. But when Locke ties up Kate, he's able to slip a uh, pocket knife into Kate's um, waistband, waistband. I didn't
1: even notice that. I was wondering where she got that knife. I didn't see him putting it into her pocket. Yeah,
0: so I think that was his plan, and that's why he said, let's tie her up. And they go and they put her into a uh, into what looks like a closet.
1: Meanwhile, on the boat, Michael and and Sawyer are kind of hashing out their issues. Um, Sawyer blames Michael for the pirates kidnapping Walt. Um, Likewise, Michael blames Sawyer. So, you know, they kind of are having an ongoing argument.
0: Well, I thought it was interesting that uh, Sawyer goes ahead and puts the pieces together that, you know, viewers had, which is, You know, the others and the crazy French lady said they were after the kid. Well, obviously, they were after your kid, Mike. You know, they wanted Walt. They weren't after that baby. So uh, he connected the dots. And, of course, uh, Michael thought it was uh, Sawyer's fault. But really, I think it was just more of the uh, standard frustration because they're helpless and lost at sea. And just when they thought things couldn't get any worse, uh, something bumps into the raft.
1: Yeah, there's a shark swimming around. Um, it's probably the situation is probably aggravated by the fact that Sawyer has been shot and is, and is bleeding into the water.
0: And in one of uh, this show's signature um, cringe moments, Sawyer uh, decides to go ahead and perform surgery with his fingers and reaches into his wound and pulls the bullet out.
1: That's not a very pleasant 30 seconds of TV to watch.
0: I thought one of the good lines was uh, when Sawyer realizes it's the shark, he goes, Oh, it's just a shark. I mean, compared to everything else that they've been facing on this island with the mysterious monsters and others, he was actually relieved that it was just a shark.
1: To which Michael replied incredulously, just a shark. And we also see kind of, um, it's a Michael flashback episode. We see what happened um, with with Walt and with his ex-girlfriend. Now,
0: I got to say that this episode was originally going to be a Sawyer flashback episode. And for reasons that will remain mysterious, uh, they decided that it, in fact, should be a Michael flashback episode. I'm not sure if it was because they thought Michael's story fit better or because they felt it was too early for whatever happens in Sawyer's story. But in any case, I think... I was a little disappointed, actually, in the Michael flashback because it really wasn't anything that we didn't surmise from his previous flashbacks.
1: Right, the the battle with his ex girlfriend for custody of Walt had been touched on previously. Um, I was not aware, though, that Michael didn't uh, didn't go to court. That he he pretty much signed away his rights to Walt, you know, without you know counsel present. He just went ahead and did it.
0: So I mean, the parallels are we have uh, Michael we learn who voluntarily gave up Walt without really too much of a fight after some unpleasant uh, pre-trial hearings. And, uh, then he's on the raft and he's lost Walt again. So we make that connection that, uh, you know, he is definitely uh, under the burden of having lost his son more than once.
1: Meanwhile, back at the hatch, Kate is stuck in her closet. Um, she's been tied up and, um, She's stuck there, but fortunately she's able to get the knife that that Locke supplies her with and cuts her ties, and she's, um, you know, she's free, and she finds herself in a storage facility.
0: Right, she turns on the light, and all of a sudden she's in, uh, she's practically in heaven. It's a storeroom full of food everything kind of has generic labels on it but they all have again that's that uh, octagonal logo with the dharma company s- insignia on it but you know there's olives and crackers and legumes and things like that but she looks up and she sees that there's a uh, there's a ventilator shaft so she stacks up some box crates of legumes and and tries to get out that way
1: right and she kind of stays there um, while Locke is trying to tell Desmond what's why they're there, um, what's been going on and why they're there. And I don't think he's very successful in convincing Desmond that he's not going to hurt him.
0: Right. Locke is being very forthright. He says, oh, well, you know, I was the regional collection supervisor for a cardboard manufacturer or a box company, as we learned earlier. And he talks about being on the plane and how it crashed and being off course and nobody would find them. And he's trying to build that exchange with Desmond and get Desmond to say, you know, how long have you been down here? Um, I see this uh, window that's supposed to look like natural light. Is that because you never leave this place? But Desmond never says anything. Desmond never gives him any information. But uh, just as that conversation may have gotten somewhere, we hear the beeping begin again.
1: Right. The beeping, I guess that's kind of um, an intruder alarm, basically announcing the, the arrival of Jack. And so, um, you know, Desmond goes into panic mode and he tells lock to go over to his computer lock looks kind of incredulously at this thing and he says i haven't seen one of these in 20 years so um desmond gives him the series of numbers you know the numbers to type into the keyboard and what that does essentially it resets this really odd clock
0: right uh, this kind of old-fashioned looking clock is counting down it had like two minutes and a few seconds to go um, Locke is reluctant to hit that execute button but when he finally whacks it expecting something awful to happen all that happens is that clock resets to 108 which is of course the number we saw on the mural and it's the sum of all the numbers added up
1: and at that point we kind of see the whole scene the the final scene from the season premiere but we see it from kate's perspective she's kind of stuck in that crawl space and and she sees the whole thing go down with with desmond and jack
0: right so now we know why uh, jack could only slightly hear kate when he first walks into the uh, the the hatch chamber and also we know now when uh, desmond shoots that warning shot up, up into the ceiling it practically hits kate but really, that scene doesn't progress any further than it did in the first episode. It it again, you know, it leads us up to the same point. Um, the only thing that uh, that we learn new is when we return back to the raft, where um, Michael and Sawyer wake up, and it turns out they're near the island again.
1: Right. So you know, they, they kind of they wash ashore, and they're pretty sure at this point that Jin is missing, but they're um, surprised to see they well, actually, first they're surprised to hear Jin. Um, shouting in in Korean and then they stumble across him he's obviously um, being held prisoner Uh, he's kind of tied to a big stick and he's you know he's running with the big stick and um, you know Jin says in his broken English the others the others and then we see a, a big gang of really angry looking people and that's pretty much it. Right
0: a split second of creepy shadows coming out of the forest and then boom that's the end of the episode. So, uh, there's your recap. Uh, Let's take a moment now to talk about some of the things we might have noticed and uh, what they might mean. So, uh, was there anything that caught your eye or anything new that we learned in this episode?
1: Well, the one thing that I really noticed was the stuffed polar bear.
0: Right. Uh, Michael gives Walt, as a parting gift, when he says goodbye to his son, uh, a toy. But the toy just happens to be a stuffed polar bear. So we're seeing a long-standing theme in Walt's life with polar bears and, of course, the polar bear that appeared on the island in the very first episode.
1: We also see Charlie and Claire in a very brief episode. Um, Looks like Charlie has taken one of those statues.
0: Right. We actually saw Charlie take the statue toward the end of the first season but i guess you know we weren't sure what really became of that so although this episode really focused on michael and uh, the raft folks and the, the hatch folks the one scene where we saw any other characters was charlie and claire and charlie basically reveals that he still has that statue and he's very protective of it he doesn't let claire play with it
1: we're headed for trouble there that's for sure I was wondering exactly who Desmond was waiting for.
0: Right. He seemed happy to see Locke because he thought Locke was someone he wanted to see and seemed very upset and disappointed when, you know, Locke couldn't answer his riddle. So who was Desmond waiting for and, you know, what what is he doing down in the hatch? And, you know, part of the the conversation that Locke tried to have with Desmond um, did reveal some things. Like Desmond asks Locke, How many of your party are sick? And Locke goes, uh, is that why the inside of the hatch said quarantine and stuff like that? So clearly there's some kind of uh, there's a sickness, there's an illness out on the island, and Desmond was trying to hide from it. Um, I also noticed Desmond asked, so they're you know they're still out there, and I wasn't sure if he was meaning the uh, the rest of Locke and the the, the survivors, or if he was meaning the rest of the world.
1: Right? Yeah, that it kind of had that. Um, very ominous tone. I, th- I think he's expecting that the world has ended. But at the same time, I realize that we never found out where Ethan came from. The ill-fated Ethan who was shot by Charlie. We don't know where he came from. He might have been down there in the hatch with Desmond.
0: Well, I definitely think that's a reasonable hypothesis. I mean, when we first see the inside of the hatch, we know there's a bunk bed, so Desmond probably wasn't alone. And we know that both Desmond and Ethan were uh, very fit, you know, uh, unusually strong um, men. So there was definitely kind of that fitness element to it. I was just really struck that typing in the numbers into that terminal reset that clock. And uh, it makes me wonder, since that's also how the season premiere started, the beeping going off, has been waking up typing in the numbers and it stops that uh, maybe that's what his life has been for the last i don't know how many years he's been down there timer counts down computer starts beeping he types in the numbers it resets over and over and over again for years and the reason why that makes sense is you think about the crazy person that hurley knew in the mental institution and he was clearly uh disturbed and those numbers were the only thing that he could say running through his head constantly and i think that might have been the effect of having been in the position that desmond's been in and uh, the real big uh, question then is what's happening with hurley because we saw hurley uh, in the previous episode almost mimicking those behaviors just running those numbers through his head and talking to himself really fast and maybe the person that desmond's waiting for is hurley
1: That's an interesting idea. That was definitely an interesting idea.
0: I was also wondering if you noticed that the shark had a bit of a tattoo.
1: No, I didn't notice that.
0: Yes, uh, the shark, I I had to go back with the TiVo and you saw me. I'm not sure if you knew what I was looking for. I went back. No, I didn't. In the scene where uh, Sawyer tries to make a go of it for another section of the boat, the pontoon that floats better, and he's trying to swim across there, there's an underwater scene where we see his legs and then the shadow of the shark whip past. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that the Dharma logo, the, uh, the company logo or whatever it is that's on Desmond's shirt that's all over inside the hatch is also on the shark.
1: Really? I didn't catch that, but that's, that's pretty interesting also.
0: So is that shark a mechanical shark? Is that like the monster that we hear with mechanical sounds? Or is there some kind of biological experimentation going on? And that's what all of this is about. And so there's this genetically altered uh, shark. The shark is also part of the security system, for example.
1: Oh, I guess we'll have to find out.
0: Yes, uh, but... This episode, of course, left us hanging, and we're going to have to wait until next week for some answers and probably quite a few more new questions. But enough about what we thought. Let's uh, cover what you folks thought.
1: Normally, this would be where we share all of our great emails and phone calls that we get from you all, everybody, the listener. But we're just getting started, so we don't have much to share right now. All I can say is, don't be shy. Don't let us do all the talking. Please share your your reactions, your thoughts, um, anything else you have in in mind. Set us straight. Please call the LOST line at 808-356-0127 or drop us an email at lost at hawaiiup.com.
0: That's right. I mean, this isn't like Danielle's recording on a loop. It's a two-way transmission, we want to hear from you. Now, uh, that's all that's come before. Now it's time to talk about what lies ahead.
1: We are now entering the forward cabin. This is where we store spoilers, production notes, and other kind of stuff about loss that we, nobody has revealed yet on the show. Some of this stuff you might have seen in the press or on the Internet, some of it might be news to you. But if you don't want to know, this is where you want to stop the transmission.
0: So, Jen, have you picked up any scoops lately?
1: Not anything that pretty much everybody doesn't already know. Um, We're going to see Ana Lucia again, the the woman that um, Jack encountered in the airport lounge.
0: So we know there are other survivors of the plane crash.
1: Right, and it's a safe bet Bernard is in there too, Rose's husband.
0: The only thing that I've seen bouncing around on the uh, internets is uh, the uh, genetic mirror theory, which is... This uh, extensive blog post that tries to explain the entire series being based on a French pers- French scientist's theory, a French scientist named Rousseau, which is of course Danielle's name, and uh, the theory called the genetic mirror theory is all about how everybody on Earth has a twin because it's uh, inevitable on the basis of genetics. And it looks at all of the numbers we know in the sequence, 4, 8, et cetera, et cetera, four degrees of separation between you and your twin, 8 this, you know, 42 that. Um, and it was really compelling, and I I probably saw it in 30 different places, but my personal feeling is because that blog post included an uh, Easter egg hint for the Oceanic Flight 815 uh, website, that uh, it was probably just a plant by the producers of the show to throw everyone off the scent. I, I, re- I personally don't feel there's anything to that genetic mirror theory. Uh, well, then, what, what, what are the episodes that we've got coming up?
1: Well, next week coming up, we have an episode titled Orientation. This is a Locke flashback. Um, in one of Locke's previous episodes, uh, we have hear him having a conversation with somebody named Helen. While well, we meet Helen, um, she's played by Peg Bundy, um, the actress Katie Segal. And
0: actually, the producers of the show have been uh, in the press saying that this third episode, the one that airs next week, is actually the big episode where a lot of big uh, reveals happen, not the premiere, not the second episode, which, again, really just ran in parallel with what we saw in the first episode, but episode three is where some big things are going to happen.
1: On October 12th, we get a Hurley flashback. Uh, We see, I'm imagining we're seeing what led to Hurley's entry into the, the insane asylum, and I guess we also get to see Mr. Cluck's chicken shack.
0: That's right. Uh, He mentions in the last episode when he was trying to explain to Jack why the numbers are bad, that uh, the chicken shack where he works got hit by a meteorite. And, uh, I actually saw them shooting that scene. It was at the Popeyes Chicken on Dillingham, and they turned it into Mr. Cluck's Chicken Shack. Uh, DJ Qualls is clearly one of Locke's co-workers. I saw him in his, uh, Mr. Cluck's outfit, uniform. Uh, DJ Qualls is the kind of creepy-looking pasty guy from Road Trip, but, uh, I think that'll be, uh, interesting to see. And I guess, uh, three weeks from now is going to be a, uh, gin flashback.
1: Yeah, entitled um, and found, airing October 19th.
0: And uh, I guess that's all we have for this first full uh, episode of The Transmission.
1: A big mahalo to all the Lost fans out there. Thank you so much for listening.
0: And I certainly want to send a shout-out to all the great Lost fan sites out there. Um, There are so many of them. Uh, The Fuselage, thefuselage.com, Lost Forum, -forum lost-forum.com, Lost TV, which is lost-tv.com, a lot of dashes out there, and even uh, Lost Media, which is, of course, lost-media.com.
1: If you think there was a lot left to discuss, please call us at the LOST line. The number is 808-356-0127, or please drop us an email or audio file to lost at com.
0: That's right, folks. Talk back, all right? And uh, for show notes, links, and more information on the transmission, please visit our website at com slash lost. Thanks for hanging in there, and we'll catch you all next week. Aloha. Aloha.